Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hello, everyone. It's CJ. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day so far. It is Monday, June the 6th. Very excited today to be joined by Harley Schlanger. Uh, Harley needs no introduction at all, but do us a favor. Go over to the LaRoucheOrganization.com. Learn about all the work that the LaRouche Organization does, as well as the SchillerInstitute.com. Uh, Harley, great day. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, CJ. Good talking with you. Great talking with you, Harley. You know, we're getting the minds of, of people like Jamie Dimon that are stating, brace yourself for the economic hurricane. Uh, Elon Musk also issuing, quote unquote, super bad feelings about the economy, Harley, and what's unfolding. What say you, Harley? Well, of course, we've been talking for a long time about the fact that if you treat the economy as a monetary system and keep pumping money into it, the end result's going to be inflation. And that should be something that is very evident. In fact, if you go back a little more than a year ago, you find that Janet Yellen was telling Biden to cut back on the COVID relief plan that he was having because it would be inflationary. Biden didn't cut back. And Yellen then went on to say that, well, there's no danger of inflation. Now she's saying, well, she underestimated the inflation danger. And still, I think Jerome Powell continues to underestimate it. And as the two most recent presidents of the Federal Reserve, they bear a lot of responsibility for the uh, inflation. Now, I'd like to start just by pointing out the difference between Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin on the causes of inflation. And with Biden, you see how, as usual, he's completely confused or actually between his speechwriters and himself, there's a disconnect. But Biden gave a talk where he said, this is June 3rd, he said, inflation is actually a good sign because it's a sign that the economy is recovering from the pandemic. Then he went on to blame Putin for inflation. So, you know, how can it be good and bad? But what he said in his talk was, since I took office, families are carrying less debt, their average savings are up, and more Americans feel financially comfortable. That's three blatant, obvious lies. Uh, households revolving debt has gone from $975 to $1,100 per capita. So the, the, carry, the debt carrying of, of uh, consumers has gone up. Uh, secondly, the total consumer debt is at a record high. And the personal savings rate has dropped from 16% of disposable income to 4.5% which means people are not saving money because of the increased cost of food and gas. So, and then on the question of people feeling more comfortable, 80%, according to a Reuters poll of Americans, think the economy is going in the wrong direction. And I think it was 74% who, 
who said inflation, not Russia, is the biggest threat. So here you have Biden making a fool of himself, provided the media would have given you the facts that I gave you to counterbalance his claims. Now, then Putin on the same day gave an interview with a, a Russian television channel. And what he said is that it's the Wall Street process, which is behind the food crisis and inflation, and they're attempting to blame it on Russia. Uh, he said that the U.S. money supply grew by almost $6 trillion in two years from February 2020 to the end of 2021. Actually, if you add the last quarter of 2019, it's almost $10 trillion increase. He said, and this is funny, he said, it shows unprecedented productivity of the money printing machines. Then he said the total cash supply grew by 38.6%. Uh, so that was the mistaken policy of U.S. financial and economic authorities. It has nothing to do with Russia's actions in Ukraine. It's totally unrelated. Then he said, he was asked about the cost of, of fuel and gas and oil in, in the European Union. And he said it's the fault of the Green Deal policies of the EU because they overestimated the capacity of alternative energies to replace uh, hydrocarbons. He said these cannot be produced in the required amount at the required quality and at acceptable prices. Then he said on top of that, banks stopped issuing loans because they were under pressure. Insurance companies stopped insuring debts. Uh, I'm sorry, deals. And as a result, you had less production, less trade. And he said, it's the shortage of investment in the world energy sector, which is partly responsible for the price hikes. So here's Putin versus Biden. And the question is, if you had access to the speeches of both of them, who would you believe? Right. Abs yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And, and unfortunately... Partly in a situation we're dealing here in the United States, I most think uh, a lot of people would probably believe Biden. I think in terms of leveraging Russia and Putin as an excuse as to why what's happening with the economy, in a, in a way, they're attempting to kind of continue the support for the escalation with Ukraine and the massive amount of money that's 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 being printed. Uh, Harley, also, let's not forget that the majority of money that's been printed the last several years has not been for, for productive reasons. It's not been to expand the production capacity or to bring back manufacturing, it's been primarily for, for banks and the large financial institutions and corporations that, again, begin continue the wealth extraction from the middle class, Harley, to the top 1%. Well, it's been to protect the face value of financial instruments that are essentially worthless. So we're increasing the total indebtedness of the U.S. economy to protect hyperinflated values that are meaningless. You know, corporations that don't make enough money, enough profit to pay interest on their debt should not be getting bailed out. They should be put through bankruptcy reorganization. Instead, we've been handing them cash and cutting out investment in physical economic production. And that's one of the reasons you see countries moving away from the U.S. and the British and, and the Anglo-American system. You know, the, the latest of this is Indonesia which rejected the demands that they backed the sanctions against Russia. And they said, we find Russia to be a reliable trading partner. India is another example. The ruble-rupee trade is, is escalating dramatically. 
China trade with Saudi Arabia is going up. You know, Biden, who came in saying he was going to make a pariah out of Saudi Arabia over the Khashoggi case, is now begging the Saudis to kick the, the Russians out of OPEC+. Plus. But the Saudis are including the Russians in the OPEC plus quota system. And so now Biden is, is planning on going to visit Saudi Arabia at some point soon. But when that was put out in the New York Times and the Washington Post, it caused a real freaked out reaction. And Blinken, never one to uh, hold back making a fool out of himself, on June 1st said this about Biden's upcoming trip to Saudi Arabia. He said, Saudi Arabia is a critical partner to us in dealing with extremism in the region, unquote. Well, if he means by dealing with extremism, funding extremists like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, then the Saudis have been partners to the U.S. military and, and intelligence community because they have been funding the terrorists. So, you know, this administration has everything upside down and inside out. And, you know, CJ, I think more people are figuring that out. When someone tells you that Russia is the cause of inflation and then they see Biden channeling $60 billion supposedly into weapon sales to Iran, how much of those weapons are actually being delivered? Mm-hmm. And where's that money going? When Rand Paul demanded an inspector general to make sure that this new bill of $40 billion was allocated properly, only 11 senators voted for Paul's uh, amendment, and they were all Republicans. So you know, $40 billion going to what? And then yesterday it was reported that new tanks that were being delivered to Ukraine, 60% of them were blown up by a Russian strike outside of Kiev. Correct. So yes. who's getting the money? And that's the obvious point. The money's going to the defense contractors, to the consultants. Uh, The weapons may be going into private trade, going into the hands of terrorists uh, or to the neo-Nazis inside the Ukrainian military. Yeah, Harley, absolutely. You you nailed it. Um, The other thing I listened to this morning to your podcast, and I recommend everyone has not done so yet. uh, Make sure when you go over to YouTube, check out the LaRusse organization. Harley does a great uh, daily podcast update. And Harley, one of the things that really resonated within your conversation today was in fact how the the green agenda harley the green movement fits nearly like a glove in terms of the systematic uh collapse of of the economies and i have my own opinions harley as to why that's happening whether you take a look at uh the energy sector whether you look at the escalation in food the uh the 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 things that are occurring there and, and it fits like a glove in terms of that the, they feel the need that the industrialization of some of the developing countries either need to be slowed down, and then more importantly, that the West, United States, does not need to bring those manufacturing, that the new economy, the green economy, Harley, will not be able to support the massive expansion of what these idealists believe that, that the narrative of their green agenda, Harley. Well, the reality is that their, their stated... Uh, agenda, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) which is to protect the environment, has nothing to do with what they're doing. If you want to protect the environment, you go to higher temperature burning processes, uh, such as plasma technologies, nuclear technologies, you work on nuclear fusion. You don't go backwards to less efficient technologies like wind and solar. But 
if your actual agenda is to reduce the world's population, because let's not forget, most of the people who are making these policies, whether they're the World Economic Forum in Davos or the Bilderberger Group or uh, utopian officials in, in intelligence communities, most of them are Malthusians. They think there are too many people. They're pessimistic about science, pessimistic about the nature of man, and they're out to grab a bigger piece of the pie for themselves. So then they're shocked when a country like India says they're not going to go along with the U.S.-British policy against Russia because the Indians refuse to accept the idea that they should give up sovereignty in order to meet the green agenda. Same thing with Indonesia, same thing with South Africa, same thing with Brazil, with Mexico, with Argentina, with Algeria, with Nigeria. All of these countries, which in the past would have been forced to knuckle under to the United States and, and go with the green agenda, they're now saying they're not going to do that. And that's precisely because the Russians stood up and said they're not going to go along with the Western policy. So if you really want to look at the cause behind the Ukraine situation, it's there's two aspects to it. One, the long-term goal after the fall of the Soviet Union of destroying the power of the Russian state to make all the raw materials of Russia available to private interests in the West. Putin stopped that. Not only did he stop it, but he invested in new physical production to upgrade their strategic medical uh, metal capture, the uh, development of their fertilizer, lumber, all these other industries that are physical goods production, and is now saying that he's not going to accept the Great Reset or the Green New Deal. And so with Russia and China forming an, an alliance on February 4th, that's not just military, but economic, that gives hope to poorer countries that otherwise had no champions to stand up against the West. These are countries, the, as I mentioned, Indonesia, uh, Nigeria, they look at what the United States did to Iraq and Libya and basically said, well, gee, if we don't go along with the U.S., we can get crushed. Now they see that after Afghanistan, that the Russians refused to accept a unipolar world and so they're beginning to feel a little strengthened. And that's why the establishment in the United States and in London and in NATO is saying we can't let Russia win because if Russia wins, our unipolar order is done. The Great Reset will not happen. The Green New Deal won't happen. And I got news for them. The, the shutting down of the Green New Deal is one of the greatest potentials for the world economy, because we can then invest in the new technologies that will give us much more efficient and, and uh, cheap energy, such as nuclear fusion. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Harley. Uh, Harley, it really, it really appears that uh, the West is fully uh, prepared to go complete scorched earth on Ukraine, uh, not only with the potential of, of more dangerous, significant weapons being deployed that Putin has issued warning against, but also, Harley, the recently declared new NATO joint exercises that will be taking place. These were just announced that the North Atlantic Treaty Organization now will launch military drills with 7,000 troops in the Baltics. Harley, it, it appears that there's no uh, lessons learned to the events that are unfolding and they're willing to, again, just go full scorched earth on Ukraine, which is very unfortunate for the people of Ukraine, Harley. 
Well, it is unfortunate for the people of Ukraine, and, and I have a great deal of sympathy for them. The problem is they have a government which is completely controlled as a puppet by NATO and the forces in the West that are out to degrade Russia. And they're out to degrade Russia to the last Ukrainian. And that's one of the most true statements that's been made on this situation. Now, you you mentioned the Balt Ops, what they're called, the Balt Ops uh, NATO uh, military operations. By bringing in Finland and Sweden, they virtually surrounded the Baltic Sea and are trying to create that as a zone for which Russian ships will not be able to leave. Uh, there's an 800-mile border between Finland and Russia. There's been no confrontation whatsoever between those two countries. Why all of a sudden was Finland pressured into joining NATO? And here's the other question. Why won't the government of Finland put it to a vote, a referendum? Because they know that the people of Finland don't want to be the next Ukraine, which they fear they will be if they become part of NATO. So what Putin raised as legitimate security issues namely increasing offensive military power of NATO being placed on the borders of Russia. You know, Finland is not that far from St. Petersburg, uh, just as parts of eastern Ukraine are not that far from Moscow, especially with sophisticated weapon systems. So Putin was saying we need a buffer zone. This is something that uh, even incompetent fools like George H.W. Bush understood back in 1990 when he sent James Baker to make a deal with Russia saying we will not move NATO one step, one inch eastward. That treaty or that arrangement has been violated repeatedly. They're now a thousand kilometers closer to the Russian border. They've added something like 15 new nations to NATO. So why would Russia trust any guarantees when, when Biden says, oh, we're going to give them rockets, but we're not going to give them, allow, they, they'll agree not to shoot those rockets into Russia. Who can trust Zelensky? Zelensky got elected promising to go to Donbass to reach, to, to finalize the Minsk II Accord, which they never did. And he never did it partly because the neo-Nazis inside the military and defense establishment in Ukraine threatened to hang him from the nearest tree if he reached, if he followed through with that agreement. So it, it's a tragedy for Ukraine. It's a tragedy for Russia. It's a tragedy for the West because here we are with a baby formula shortage in the United States. We can't invest in infrastructure. Uh, we, we don't have secure borders. And yet we're spending $60 billion supposedly for freedom and democracy in a country which is not free and is not democratic. So the, the, the mess is going to continue to spiral. And as you mentioned, CJ, Putin basically said that the Russians will not allow these more advanced, potentially offensive weapons that can strike Russia to be placed in Ukraine. And as a test of that, yesterday they hit some sites outside of Kiev. So immediately the anti-Putin guy said, oh, Putin's going to try and take Kiev again. He never intended to take Kiev. He intended to dismantle the Ukrainian military capability, and they're continuing to do that. And the only reason more people are dying in Ukraine is that the Ukrainian government is not being allowed to negotiate in good faith with the Russians. Yeah. Harley, in the event that one of these uh, advanced weapons 
happens to land on the Russia side of the border, how directly does that put the United States and Russia directly at war with each other, Harley? Well, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, said that the United States is moving to become a co-belligerent. Uh, they said the same thing about the Germans. Now, the Germans, besides promising all these weapons, haven't delivered much yet. And it's partly because the German military industrial complex is pretty weak and doesn't have a whole lot of surplus capability. But the, the threat is a real one. Uh, I don't think that Putin is going to launch strikes against the United States, but I think he will hit some of these uh, joint uh, operations. For example, yesterday, one of the places they hit was a training center where there were NATO officials working with training the Ukrainians for using these uh, multiple rocket launchers. So there may have been casualties among uh, some of the European NATO people. So it, it is risking a wider war. Biden said he's not going to allow World War III to take place. And then he turns around and says, but we're going to give them all the weapons they need to keep the war going. So it's the typical doublespeak, just like Biden saying that uh, inflation is actually good, but it's caused by Putin. Yeah. Uh, Harley, on this morning's podcast, you had mentioned, and again, I want to applaud the effort that yourself, uh, Helga, the Schiller Institute, the Lewis organization put forth to, to combat this, to really put forth conversation as to changing the course, the direction potentially of, of history, Harley. And, and I know on this morning's show that you uh, mentioned potentially, that, or not potentially, that there is an upcoming conference, Harley, that's going to be taking place. Uh, you want to share that with, with our listeners, please? Sure. You can go to the SchillerInstitute.com website. Uh, CJ has it up on the screen right now. There can be no peace without the bankruptcy reorganization of the dying transatlantic financial system. That's the issue. You know, people who say, well, you can't fight the establishment. The establishment is bankrupt, but it's, it's like the emperor's new clothes. They're walking around naked and people are afraid to say something about it. We have to get spokesmen, including in governments, who will come forward and, and say that these lunatics are risking a nuclear World War III to protect a dying financial system. And LaRouche laid out over many years a whole series of proposals for how to put it through a bankruptcy reorganization, uh, establish a new Bretton Woods system with fixed exchange rates so you squeeze out the speculators. There'll be no more bailouts under that kind of system. And the credit policy of nations will be controlled by those nations as sovereign entities who will invest in what's necessary and good for the future of their people. That's the proposal that we're making. Now, uh, I, I, think, I think you actually were on the, the conference we did last week where we had um, uh, Colonel Black, yep. Black, yeah, Colonel Black, Ray McGovern, the former head of the Italian Air Force, a top French official, uh, discussing the whole question of the danger of World War III. We're having more and more influential people join our seminars because we're not afraid to say the truth. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if you heard this, CJ, but after I did a, an interview recently with uh, an Algerian television station, the Center for Control of Disinformation or Counter Disinformation of the Ukraine Parliament denounced me as a pseudo expert Putin puppet. Oh, wow. 
Wow, and I did so, not hear that, Harley. Well, they also denounced Richard Black and Helga Zepp-Larouche. These are the people that Nina Jankovic was working with when she was in Kiev. The group called Stop Fake, which was people who were deployed by the Ukrainian military to counter the argument that Ukraine has Nazis in their security forces. How do they counter it? By having the Nazis lie that they're not Nazis and getting people like Nina Jankowicz to say, oh, no, these may be extreme people, but they're not really Nazis. So this is where the war is taking on an interesting level of, of fighting the so-called hybrid warfare or disinformation. And it's interesting that Nina Jankowicz, who is supposed to counter disinformation herself, spreads disinformation every time she opens her yap. Yes, yeah, that, that indeed, Harley. Uh, Harley, before we wrap up this, uh, this session, uh, any closing thoughts, uh, Harley? Um, and again, want to encourage everyone, please do us a favor, go over to the Lewis Organization uh, .com, uh, check out all the great work, bookmark it, sign up for their, their newsletters, uh, do the same thing with the, the Schiller Institute, uh, .com. Uh, Harley, go ahead and, and, and close this one out, please. Well, you can, at the Schiller Institute, you can pre-register for the on online conference on June 18th and June 19th. Uh, I'm sure it will be quite interesting. It's, it's a lot because, you know, we're getting more and more people who are joining with us uh, working with us, people who are experts, uh, like uh, Richard Black. Colonel Black was the former head of the criminal division of the U.S. military at the Pentagon. And so when he starts talking about lunatics in the Defense Department who actually are planning to win a limited nuclear war, he knows what he's talking about. So it, it would behoove you to not just register for the conference, but sign up for our website. And as CJ mentioned, I do a 10 to 12 minute video update five days a week that's available for free. You go to the LaRouche organization and you can find pretty easily Harley updates. Uh, you can click on the program. Uh, I think where it says programs, it's, it's right there. And, you know, I, I try to make sure that we're not going to lose the, the hybrid warfare by doing real uh, anti-disinformation operations. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Harley, again, want to thank you for a great conversation. Also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And uh, we will be back next week with an update uh, with Harley Schlinger. Harley, thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, CJ, give my best to V. Will do. Thank you. Yeah.